What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the two-man power trip. Oh, my God. This is Joey Styles, and you're listening to the two-man power trip podcast. This is Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. This is Cody Rhodes, the prince of pro wrestling, and you are listening to two-man power trip. This is Jimmy Vine, the Boogie Wooker Man. Tell my people and my brothers and sisters, don't you dare miss John and Chad. Hey, everybody out there. This is the franchise Shane Douglas. Remember me? <laughs> well, guys, it's great to be on the show again. I appreciate you asking me back. So you said you were going to pinch yourself. I didn't know it was that kind of show now. I mean, if you guys are in the privacy of your own home, if you want to do these things. Good. How you doing, Chad? Hey, Johnny. Cool, man. What's going on? We ready to go or what? Okay. Hey, man. What's up, guys? This is Homicide. Oh, that's my homie. Homicide with a big homie club. Yeah, that would be it. Hey, this is David Penzer, and this is the two-man power trip of wrestling. Well, thank you, thank you. Hear me, fear me. I don't do many wrestling shows anymore, probably because I'm a bit ignorant. You guys probably know ten times more than I do. Look, Mean Gene, I can't be beat. I'm the greatest of all time. And I would say that. And every kid, I, they knew they could kick the out of me. Great talking to you guys. It's been your pleasure. <laughs> They've worked in and around the wrestling business. They've studied thousands of hours of wrestling, and now they bring to you the greatest legends, Hall of Famers, creative minds, and both current and future stars of pro wrestling. They are Primetime Pod and Chad, the two-man power trip of wrestling. a la distancia, agitaba la mano diciendo que se rendía, pero en el pasillo de la fama no se puede decretar un resultado, Miguel. Bueno, pues ya se lo indica Tirantes, no puede desconcentrarse ahí Panther, tiene que seguir en la batalla, y ahora regresa San Adonis, aquí la plancha, desde la esquina, lo gira Panther, ahí lo tiene ya, cuenta Tirantes, cuenta uno... ¿Por qué no cuentas? Oh, por Dios, por Dios, Miguel. Esto ya, esto ya calienta. No, ¿eh? Sí, que, que, que calienta más no poder. ¿Qué puede argumentar el oficial tirante Leobardo Magadán de que no efectuara el conteo rápido? Bueno, no rápido, como debe de ser. Sí, todos, Ay, cuidado. A todos nos sacó de onda el tirante, ¿eh? Y ahí está la reacción del maestro de la Laguna. A ver si no le cuesta. Samadonis ya lo tiene. Espaldas planas. Pero Vean, ¿quién cuenta? Lo tienen ranita. Viene el tirantes. Uno, dos. ¡Cuidado! ¡Tres latinos! Samadonis es el ganador de esta contienda. Y toda la gente sintió como una cubetada de agua helada este resultado. ¡Vaya manera de acabar! Esta contienda, Miguel Linares. Bueno, pues es polémico, señoras y señores. Un tirantes que ya se va. Ganador de manera oficial. Este hombre, This is the two-man power trip of wrestling, brought to you today and powered by the IRW Network. Head on over to irwnetwork.com and check out the brand new Triple Threat podcast. 
featuring the franchise Shane Douglas, as well as us, the two-man power trip of wrestling, tackling all the issues of the week, whether it be current events, professional wrestling, or some of the things going on in the world of the franchise Shane Douglas. And it can be heard every single Monday streaming at IRWnetwork.com. Again, it's IRWnetwork.com, and it is the Triple Threat Podcast. But if you didn't know by now, my name is Chad, and as always, I'm joined by my tag team partner here on the two-man power trip of wrestling, the one and only John Paz. And all I can say is welcome to today's episode. It is going to be one of those where you find out a lot, maybe about somebody you haven't heard too much about yet. But for all those wrestling fans out there that are on top of what's going on in the business, you definitely know the name Sam Adonis and the frenzy that he has caused as of late in CMLL and kind of taking over the international wrestling uh, world, so to speak, with his pro Donald Trump, a.k.a. Donald Trump's favorite wrestler gimmick that he's got going on and could possibly be one of, if not the best heels going in professional wrestling right now. And John, I know Sam Adonis is somebody whom we've been talking about for quite a while. It seems like every time there's a big-time wrestling interview where there's some kind of big-time wrestling coverage, Sam Adonis's name is brought up in some realm. And again, with the Donald Trump gimmick, has really put himself on the map and has been covered by nearly every single major media outlet there is, including NBC News and Vice Media and CNN. And he's really been somebody who, yes, he's been in professional wrestling for a while, but it's this Sam Adonis pro-Trump character that's really taken a huge stranglehold on what a pro-Donald Trump character would be in 2017. And in Mexico, that is a gigantic heel, but of course not without controversy on both ends of the spectrum, whether it's the political end or also on the wrestling end, because this is very similar to a character that Brian Cage kind of portrayed in Mexico as well, where he came out wearing a Donald Trump t-shirt while Donald Trump was still on the campaign and caused quite the frenzy. And we spoke with Brian Cage pretty much right after that, and it was the kind of thing that he didn't expect the heat that he was going to get, but obviously he took the ball and ran with it, and Cage did a phenomenal job, and obviously we've seen how Brian Cage has grown uh, since Donald Trump was on the campaign and since he first wore that T-shirt. But again, back to Sam Adonis. There's so many cool things about what he's done in his career and what he's going to be doing in the near future. He's got many connections into the world of wrestling, and John will get into that. But John, as I welcome you in here, why don't you tell us more about Sam Adonis? Again, if wrestling fans don't know him now, you will soon because his name is going to be popping up on a lot of sheets in a lot of offices, in a lot of places, whether it's down in Florida or up in Connecticut, you can rest assured Sam Adonis is probably going to be on a fast track back to one part of the organization that we all know who I'm talking about. But John, as I welcome you in here, tell us a little bit more about what we have to look forward to in today's episode with Sam Adonis and some of the highlights in an interview with a guy whom the wrestling world has been speaking about in droves, and that is Sam Adonis. 
Yes, Chad, the two-man power trip is back and back in a big way with Sam Adonis. Yes, this was a real joy. It was a lot of fun talking to him. You know, it kind of felt a little bit like old-school flavor talking to him for sure. Great psychology, great old-school heel, knows how to do it right, knows how to get that heat. What a great conversation it was, and, you know... Some of these guys, you never know what these younger guys are like. Are they going to have the psychology? Are they going to know what they're doing? Are they going to have the right frame of mind? Are they going to be a success story? Or are they going to be one of those guys that kind of gets lost in, in the scene? And Sam Adonis really is one of those guys that's probably going to get picked up sooner or rather, rather than later by the WWE. Obviously, he was in FCW oh, once upon a time, and we talk about that a little bit. But... You know, with him now being such a big star in Mexico with CMLL and being the biggest heel there and most recently taking the hair of Blue Panther, which is quite an honor because he is quite a legend. You know, he's just really, really making a big name for himself. And he's going to be one of those guys that will definitely not be lost in the shuffle. He's going to be one of those guys that Triple H and Stephanie and Vince, they have their eye on, you know, not only... As far as, you know, like, oh, man, this guy, you know, he's such a good worker, such a good this, such a good that. This guy's got all the qualities you want. He's got the size. He's got the look. He's got the ability. You know, he's got a great promo skill as well. So this is one of those guys you're really going to have to look out for. He's really going to be something and do something. And he's taking over the international wrestling scene right now. You know, I mentioned CMLL in Mexico, but also with All Japan Pro Wrestling, he's dominating right now, taking care of Ultimo Dragon, ripping off his mask, you know, doing so many big things over there in All Japan. And obviously the big 30th anniversary tour for Ultimo Dragon is going on. And just to be invited for that and to be a part of that is big. But to be in the main event scene and be taking off Ultimo Dragon's mask and doing all this great stuff over there in Japan is huge. And also working with Akayama and all these other legends. So, you know, he's really, really making a huge name for himself internationally. And I feel like sooner rather than later, he's going to be making a, a bigger name for himself here in America as well. And I quickly kind of just mentioned Blue Panther and taking his hair. Well, Daniel Bryan recently said on another show that he was absolutely jealous of Santa, Sam Adonis, jealous of his position in Mexico because that is what he wanted to be. He wanted to be the big heel in Mexico and he wanted to go down there once his WWE contract is over and he wanted to take Blue Panther's hair. So this is very, very interesting stuff and you, obviously you'll see uh, Sam Adonis being mentioned in Sports Illustrated and, and Up Rocks and all these other places that are really just mentioning his name left and right whether it be mainstream or whether it be in the wrestling world with daniel bryan which is just nuts to say that he is jealous of you so man big big things uh, for him obviously i mentioned mexico i mentioned japan england germany italy this guy is just an international superstar and we talk about everything in this interview even his brief stint in tna so you know i would just really really you know sit there and focus in on this interview it's going to be a great listen if you're not familiar with sam donis you should be and if you are you will really enjoy this he is legitimately donald trump's favorite wrestler and of course we do talk about the trumpster in this interview we also talk about a little bit of controversy with brian cage saying that oh you stole my gimmick and then when sam donis came back to him it kind of shut down cage pretty quickly so that was great and of course you know, last but not least, I just want to mention, you know, he is a world traveler, but he also is the younger brother 
of WWE and NXT announcer Corey Graves. So we do go into Corey Graves a lot, and we talk about some uh, some backstage. You know, I wouldn't say backstage info, but just some uh, behind-the-scenes info that Corey Graves and, and some advice that he's given to Corey Adonis. So that's some interesting stuff in this interview as well. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the world traveler himself, Sam Adonis. Absolutely. And again, we want to thank Sam so much for coming on the show and spending some time to talk about what he's been doing down there in CMLL and also what we have to expect with what he's doing in all Japan. And obviously, nothing but the best to Sam Adonis. And we will, I'm sure, be hearing much, much more from him in the coming future. Uh, and we all will keep a stern eye on that. So, Sam, thank you again for coming on with the two-man power trip. But now, as I mentioned at the top of the show, today's episode is brought to you by the IRW Network. And every single Monday on IRWNetwork.com, we drop a brand new episode of the Triple Threat Podcast featuring John, myself, and our good friend, the franchise Shane Douglas And if you haven't been able to listen to this show yet, I really want you to take a listen to the episode that we have coming up. It is going to be fully dedicated to the night Shane Douglas won the NWA title tournament, which we all know what happened when he threw the title down. And obviously, ECW was born not soon after that. And we're going to chronicle it from top to bottom, A to the Z. So get on over to IRW Network on Monday to download that episode, a very special look at the NWA title tournament from August 1994. So please check that out and come back here because coming soon in the next couple of weeks, we will have our milestone episode number 300 coming. And if you can anticipate any names that you might think could be on the show, As I've always said, you never know who's going to be on the other end of the line when it comes to the two-man power trip of wrestling. And episode 300 hopefully will be no different to you. And we want to thank everybody for tuning in to today's episode with Sam Adonis. We want to thank everybody for tuning in on the IRW Network. And that's enough out of me. So, John, as the music starts to creep in, hit him with a little bit of two-man power trip of wrestling business and get it on over to Sam Adonis. Now for some TMPT business. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Two Man Power Trip and at Wrestling Pal. Please subscribe to us on YouTube. Also, subscribe to us on iTunes. Please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Also, while on iTunes, check out the feed for prior legendary episodes featuring the living legend Bruno Sammartino, the late great American Dream Dusty Rose, the Enforcer Arn Anderson, Ray Mysterio Jr., Glenn Kane Jacobs. The phenomenal AJ Styles, lead WWE attorney Jerry McDivitt, and so many others. Also, while you're on the internet, check out ProWrestlingTees.com. Yes, that is ProWrestlingTees.com. They are your superstore for all your wrestling t-shirt needs. Check out our page. Check out Tito Santana, Coco Beware, Kevin Thorne, Buff Bagwell, Magnum TA, and so many others. Also, while you're on the web, check out our website, tmptofwrestling.com. And if you're on Android, please check us out on Google Play or Player FM. Follow along with a two-man power trip in 2017 as we come to a town near you. TMPT hits the road. September 9th, the Subway one-year anniversary in Keensburg, New Jersey, with the hardcore icon, Tommy Dreamer. 
October 21st, we hit the Legends of the Ring in New Jersey. November 4th, we hit the big event in New York City. And the big one, the granddaddy of them all, the big guy, Wrestlecade in North Carolina on 1125 with Arn Anderson and Telly Blanchard. There will be a Four Horsemen reunion for sure. So follow along with the two-man power trip as you never know where we may land. Now, without any further ado, he is Donald Trump's favorite wrestler. He's a former WAW World Champion. Currently, he is a CMLL superstar. You may know him as El Rubio Fantastico or El Rudo de las Chicas. He is also known as Sam Elias, a.k.a. Sam Adonis. Please enjoy. Yo soy El Rubio Fantástico. MLL star. He's Donald Trump's favorite wrestler. He is El Rubio Fantastico, El Rudo de las Chicas. He is the biggest heel in the business right now. He is Sam Adonis. Welcome to the two-man power trip. Thank you for having me, my friend. I'm happy to be here. Now, first and foremost, I just got to ask this because it's you know kind of like the big elephant in the room when talking to you is CMLL is the most traditional, oldest, you know, wrestling company, and it's, you know, so rich in tradition, and you're the most untraditional guy they've probably ever had. What's it like being in there in Mexico and kind of being, you know, like the odd man out? I I actually love it, and uh, I thrive on it because uh, I, I basically am completely different than everybody else they have. I am, you know, more or less a traditional Memphis style 80s heel, if you will. And this is something Mexican wrestling has pretty much never seen. So because it's so different and it's so off the wall, uh, the fans have been able to embrace it really well. And because of that, you know, I've had a certain amount of crowd reaction and, and interaction that nobody else on the cards able to you know, present. So because of that, I've really established myself very well and I have a pretty good spot within the company and I'm starting to gain the trust amongst the, the bosses and the company as one of the uh, you know top money making and drawing bad guys that Mexico has. Definitely one of the top heels going. It's definitely internationally. It's got to be you know up there as one of the top heels. And it's kind of crazy to think you know a, a pro Donald Trump gimmick or you know kind of like that would get over. 
So what do you think of that whole, you know, Trump thing? Obviously, you know, the character is different than the person, but what is what is the character, you know, as far as, you know, your character think of Donald Trump? Uh, honestly, people make it out to be something more than it actually is, and they want to call it a Donald Trump character, a Donald Trump gimmick, and it's really not either of those. Uh, I'm basically just more abrasive of a heel than anybody else. Uh, I am just so cocky and outlandish that, you know, I more or less find it funny to, you know, rub it in your face. You know, the, the people of Mexico hate it, and I'm so obnoxious and so mean that, you know, I say, oh, you hate Donald Trump? Well, how about this? I'm going to walk to the ring with a flag with his face on it. Um, and that That's kind of a misconception. People think I'm trying to be like him or trying to, you know, uh, be a, a Republican supporter, when, when really that's not it. You know, I'm just a classic, traditional, you know, a villain, a cocky, arrogant heel, and, you know, I just take it to an extreme. I'm that much of a prick that I, I really try to just, you know, take advantage of a, a sour situation for the Mexican public. And they uh, they definitely take to it, you know, as far as hating you, they definitely don't like you, and the Trump stuff is great. When you kind of thought that up and you were kind of like, oh, you know, you know, we'll get a great reaction. Is that like kind of the first thing that came to your mind? It's like, oh, I know what I'll do since Trump is always making fun of Mexicans or wanted to build a wall. I'm going to try and, and, you know, spice it up a little bit. And I'm going to be not, not necessarily pro-Trump, but I'm going to shove it in these people's face. Well, I, um, I have airbrushed wrestling tights, almost like Rick Rude used to have. And uh, during one of our first pay-per-views that I was a part of, I was thinking, uh, what could I do to have, you know, American-style tights? And I'm constantly thinking outside the box. I didn't want to be cliche with your average, you know, American flag and an eagle or whatnot. So I'm just thinking, what can I do that can represent the United States and, and, you know, really touch home and kind of make people angry? So I just said, yeah, let's get a picture of Donald Trump. You know, people will really, you know, get a kick out of that and find it funny. And generally, just the reaction after that was so overwhelming so many people were generally offended, and if they weren't generally offended, they were so, you know, taken back with, with you know, comedy and appreciated what I was doing that, you know, I couldn't really ignore the response. And that made me wait to see the, the outcome of the election. And I came out to an Amer- with an American flag when I wrestled in Europe for five years, you know, playing the foreign villain. It was normal for me to have the big flag, and I just figured, you know, a 16,000-seat arena – you're going to be able to see his face a lot better on a flag than you would on my tights. So that's kind of the idea and how it it came to be. And, you know, it's been working now for the past, I think, six or eight months. It's been working very, very well. I mean, been covered by mainstream media outlets. Have you been surprised about some of the attention you're getting and from some of these, like, mainstream areas? Oh, of course. I'm definitely surprised. It's not something I set out to do or uh, expect it at all, but, you know, I'm definitely glad it's happened. It's, it's helped my exposure. It's, uh, you know, helped me make some more money, and it's opened a lot of doors that, you know, I wouldn't have normally been able to open. So, uh, I mean, it was a right place, right time, and, and now I'm really just enjoying everything that's happening to me, you know, because of just putting a picture on my tights. Now, are you the most hated man in Mexico right now? Would you put yourself in that category as possibly the most hated man? I'm not possibly the most hated man. I am the by far the most hated man uh, to the point where sometimes it's, it's, uh, it's not fair to some of the other wrestlers whenever I'm on maybe second or third 
and you know the main event can't compare because the people are so caught up uh, in in a preliminary match. So uh, my my bosses are still kind of figuring out the correct way to go about it, but it's definitely hotter than anything going on in Mexico right now. And the beauty of it is I've been able to you know branch out more outside of Mexico because of this mainstream attention. And now I've been able to, you know, really, it's funny because I'm getting way more work in the United States than I was before I lived in Mexico. Oh, wow. Definitely getting a lot of attention in in a good way, obviously. But do you find it funny in a way or maybe different? You're playing kind of like the traditional heel. You don't want to get cheered. You don't want to get over. And a lot of the guys today, a lot of the complaints are that they're, trying to get over too much, but being like the cool heel, you take, you know, a lot of pride in the fact that you're doing, you know, the old school way, if you will. I, that's, that's what I live for. Uh, I cannot stand new wrestling because of things like that, because people don't know what it is. People are, are so happy to, to use the excuse. Oh, well, the business has changed. It's evolved. And it's just an excuse. You know, there's a reason why numbers are what they are now. And people aren't, you know, die hard involved with wrestling. You know, wrestling's not cool like it used to be. People used to want to watch it, and, and, you know, the masses were a part of pro wrestling. Now the only people that really care are, you know, the diehard wrestling fans. And, you know, unless you create that, that drama and that genuine hatred, you know, people don't really get emotionally invested. You need a struggle, you need a story, and you need people to be booed and hated. Uh, that's why right now I love how Jinder Mahal is finally a heel that is hated, you know, and it's creating it's creating a feud, and all these, you know, so-called smart wrestling fans, they don't realize they're getting sucked in, you know. They see that there's a bad guy that they want to lose, and now they're buying tickets to watch him lose. And they all think they're so smart and, oh, man, I know how this is going. What's going on? He doesn't deserve to be there. Well, what, you know, no, it doesn't matter why you don't like him, but the point is you don't like him and you're paying to watch him lose. So, you know, that's what wrestling's missing. That's what we need. And that's what I love being. You know, I, I have enough admirers. I have enough fans. But when, when people try to start a Sam Adonis chant, I'm the first one to knock them down and say, shut your mouth. You know, people don't really know how to handle me because I I really am such a throwback. And, you know, like I said, I might not have a big reputation on the independents or be, you know, your internet wrestling fan. They might not know who I am. However, for the last eight years, I have been a full-time pro wrestler. You know, I haven't had other jobs. I've been able to support myself and, and wrestle all over the world. You know, I'm almost too busy, you know, being a wrestler to worry about my reputation in these, you know, internet wrestling companies. And it's so refreshing to hear you say, like, if the crowd starts to cheer you, you basically shoot it down and make sure that they boo you because a lot of the guys kind of don't get the psychology today. And obviously your old buddy, Jinder Mahal from your FCW days down, you know, in WWE down there in uh, developmental in Florida, you, know, you spent some time with him, but that is great that he's kind of bringing back the heel thing. And people don't realize you know, that they hate him because he's playing the heel. And, I, and I, you know, it's very refreshing. It's very cool that you're able to do that. Do you think that you're like a natural heel or is just something you've been working on and, and really honing? Uh, I'm a natural heel. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a definitely a, a uh, more than confident human being. Uh, but the truth is I've always wanted to be the, the Hulk Hogan. I've always wanted to be the top baby face. However, I, I you know, I've always – cared more about professional wrestling than I've cared about myself. 
and I see the general lack of good heels in wrestling, and I feel like I can give back to wrestling more being a bad guy than I can being a good guy. It's great that you're doing that, and I love that you do the airbrush tights a la Rick Rude, because he was really, really... You know, obviously back in the days, a lot of those guys were, were, you know, strict to the heel thing. But, I mean, he really got people to hate him. I mean, you know, sweat hog, calling him fat, calling him out of shape. Is Rude kind of one of your influences or one of your idols? Rude is definitely one of my idols. Uh, However, I kind of think differently about wrestling. I hate the idea of emulation. Uh, That's a huge problem now is people see something they like and they copy it. They think, oh, Fit Finley did that. I'm going to do it. Ric Flair did that. I'm going to do it. I think the best way to become the performer you need to become is almost, you know, bake a stew, if you will, you know, take a piece of here, uh, take take the way Ric Flair combs his hair and put it with the way Rick Rude walks and, you know, have the vocabulary of Nick Bockwinkle and, and wear the same kind of knee pads that Ray Stevens wears, you know, take one little tiny thing from everyone, put it in a stew, you know, let it kind of muster, let it, let it cook and, and, get ready and then you know nine years later you're a product you're an entity that's completely your own and people can say yeah that guy reminds me of barry windham oh he's a lot like rick rude oh i see some kurt hennig in him but nothing they can say is say oh he stole that from this guy oh he copied that guy right and that's a great point and it's great to kind of name those names too because you know a guy like bachwinkle or, or ray stevens or even player awesome heels that you can learn so much and grab just a little bit from here or grab a little bit from there. But with your character, we were kind of saying it before, it's not really a political gimmick, but a lot of the people are saying, like even mainstream are saying, oh, he's getting very political. Do you consider yourself political at all? Or, or is this just, like you said, just the classic heel? I'm a classic heel. I'm not doing, I say it's no sort of political statement. One thing I can say is I've lived outside of the United States for the last six years. Um, and because of that, I would probably say I lean a bit more towards the conservative side just because I have seen the rest of the world and I really can appreciate the, the, the freedoms and the, and the beautiful things we do have in this country. Uh, you know, in my opinion, a lot of liberals, kind of form an opinion based on what they want or or what they imagine could be. But uh, in my opinion, a lot of times it's kind of out of touch with what actually is. Uh, And I've been able to learn that firsthand living in Europe, living in Mexico, seeing the rest of the world. You know, everybody wants world peace. Everybody wants hey equal treatment. But, you know, until you see how good we actually have it, a lot of times these people take it for granted. So uh, I'm definitely not making political statements. Like I said, I'm trying to give back to pro wrestling because it's all I've ever known and loved and wanted to do. So the way I can give back to it is just, you know, create as much chaos as I can. I want to sell as many tickets as I can. And I want people to remember, shit, that was fun when Sam Adonis was around. You know, that's really all I want out of this. I love that. Sell tickets, create chaos. I mean, that's... uh... That's pretty uh, pretty great, to, you know, to think like that and to have that mindset. And it's funny when well, you think about the character. I'm sorry, what were you saying? Well, like I said, uh, I've always been, you know, in a different bracket. I've always been more preoccupied with selling tickets and making money and being in that position to the point where, you know, becoming famous on the independence has never really been my priority. In, in a sense, it's kind of, uh, you know, 
it's unfair sometimes because I see some wrestlers getting these opportunities or wrestlers becoming famous for being what's considered a good wrestler or, you know, these guys have these reputations. And for me, I can sit back and say, I don't know why he's got this reputation. You know, I, I do what he does better than him. But um, I think it kind of speaks for itself how, you know, I didn't have to rely on internet wrestling media. You know, I waited long enough, and then the media of the world ended up finding me. So uh, I'm a big fan of, of uh, you know, keep your head down and keep on plugging forward, and eventually things pay off. Yeah, it paid off in a big way. Like I said, you're getting so much mainstream attention. You become a regular for CMLL. And it's kind of been a lot of people saying, you know, the character versus the person. Sam Adonis, you know, the character and and yourself as, as the person. Do people, especially in Mexico, get that kind of confused a lot where where you're outside of the ring and, and you know, nothing to do with wrestling, but they see you and they just hate you? Uh, yeah, they're a bit judgmental down there just towards Americans in general. But, again, this is another thing I'm not a fan of in wrestling. Uh, there's not enough guys that evolve into a wrestler. People go to a wrestling school and start doing wrestling moves, and then they say, I'm a good wrestler. But they have no substance. They, they don't actually live or become the character they portray. Whereas, you know, for years, the wrestlers you see on TV, you know, the Undertaker is the Undertaker. He plays that, you know, he, he is that person seven days a week. You know, or Ric Flair was Ric Flair to become the person that you see in the ring. I've been lucky enough to be traveling on the road, living in Europe, partying with the wrestlers, going out with the girls, living the life, living in Mexico, you know, doing it to the point where you know, Sam Adonis is starting, or Sam Polinsky is starting to become Sam Adonis, which is why I'm able to, to you know, very easily make that transition in the ring and, uh, you know, deliver a believable product every time I'm out there. And like you said before we went on air, living in Mexico, you actually learned Spanish. Is that something you kind of set out to do, or is that just something that kind of happened along the way? Complete accident. Uh, I still can't figure out how I learned it so fast, but it took me about 10 months, and I'm fluent in Spanish now. So that really helps with some of our PR and media down there. I'm always on mainstream TV and news and whatnot, so that helps the cause. And uh, one of the main things I'm finally really excited about, and you're the first person to hear it here live, is uh, I will be debuting for All Japan Pro Wrestling at uh, August the 19th in Cork and Hall. So that came out of this. So, I mean, everything I've, I've really set out to do, you know, it's taken a while to happen, but, you know, it kind of through all this mainstream attention and everything, uh, this Donald Trump thing kind of was the catalyst needed to make it all happen. Which is awesome, and Corican Hall, legendary, Japan awesome, all Japan pro wrestling, Giant Baba, Muda, Masawa, Kawada, now Sam Adonis. Is that kind of huge, uh, huge, and even further, like this, now I can even go in, into like some of the Gaijins. I mean, God, Hanson, uh, Brody, Vader, I mean, Dr. Death, Terry Gordy. Is that some big shoes to fill in? Of course, but uh, and, and I'm glad it's taken me this long to get there. Because, you know, Japan has a bit of an aura that's prestigious. However, you know, so many people have been paying for themselves to go fly there and wrestle for independence to the point where it's kind of lost a little bit of its prestige. So many guys have gone there without really earning the right to go there. Uh, I've had opportunities to go, you know, involving me buying my flight or having to pay for my hotel. And I've always been very old school. You know, if I didn't earn it, I don't want it. 
But, you know, now after nine years, I got the opportunity. I was invited by the president, John Akiyama, uh, who, who's famous from NOAA and from all Japan. You know, it, it, getting that opportunity from a guy like that means so much to me. And, you know, it's not going over for some independence. You know, this is the second largest company in Japan. Uh, and I really believe, you know, I'm ready to do it. And I think it, it really can be something, you know, uh, hopefully bigger, better, and better than it has been here in Mexico. That's awesome because Akiyama, obviously I didn't mention him, but he's one of the greatest uh, wrestlers of all time. There's no doubt about it. He kind of falls in that same category with the, you know, the Kobashis and the Masawas and the Kawadas of the world. Just awesome wrestlers. So to get that call, were you surprised at all? Or were you kind of you know waiting, almost waiting for it, expecting it a little bit? I've been waiting for it for about four years because uh, I, I know okay. I'm ready. And, I, and the thing that drives me nuts is Japan is classically – a, they call it a big guy territory. Um, you know, the guys that make the most money were the Andre the Giants, Hulk Hogan, Bruiser Brody, Stan Hansen. However, you know, somewhere along the line, people forget that, and they're looking more at the Chris Jerichos and Chris Benoits. Now, you know, New Japan is so heavy on the junior heavyweights. They're so worried about the Ricochets and the Will Ospreys, and these guys are fantastic. Don't get me wrong. I'm not talking bad about what they do. Uh, it just seems that Japan seems to overlook the big guys that used to draw them all the money. Now, you know, right place, right time. Uh, I feel like all the stars are aligned, and it's my job now to make sure that they realize it was a good decision to bring Sam Adonis to Japan. Definitely, and, uh, you know, pretty big guy yourself, so, you know, you're going to be able to uh, hold your own over there. Is there anybody you're looking forward to working, or is there anything you're looking forward to doing specifically over there in Japan? Um, I would really like to work with Akiyama if it's possible. Uh, he's on such a, he, I mean, he's a different level. Um, that, that's pretty much the only one in all Japan that really, you know, gets me going. I'd really like to work with that Sushi Onita also. Uh, I don't know if you remember the deathmatch guy, but, uh, oh, as yeah. a kid, yep. well, my, my main exposure to Japanese wrestling came from my exposure to hardcore wrestling through ECW. So, kid i remember going to ecw shows and buying videos from that rob fine and i'd see onita and hayabusa these guys were pretty much they bridged the gap from 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 the united states to to watching jushin liger and great muda and kojima these guys are why I, I became curious so you know being able to share the ring with any of these legends is always a blast and I've been super lucky as it ended in Mexico, you know, being in there with Atlantis and Alfa Guerrero. I mean, some of these guys I grew up watching. So, I mean, you never quite, you never quite stop and smell the roses and realize how lucky you are. But, you know, sometimes it, when you think about it, it does kind of get to you and you realize, wow, you know, I've had a hell of a run. Yeah. And even wrestling a guy like Rush, who is kind of, uh, I feel like goes under the radar, but he, he's an awesome wrestler as well. I mean, so many good guys. And Rush kind of was your first big guy that really wrestled in CMLL. What are your thoughts uh, on him and him kind of going under the radar? Rush is one, and this isn't his fault. This is more or less uh, the way things are going with CMLL right now. We don't have a uh, a network television deal. All our te- All our TV is, you know, whether it's online or some, you know, international channels, Rush doesn't have the mainstream publicity he deserves. Um, 
it's all just a matter of time for him to be in the spot for the rest of the world to see him. But he is one of the best guys we have. Uh, I've had some killer matches with him, not only you know in Arena Mexico, but outside in some of the independents. Uh, he's got a bit of a brutal style, so you know he is normally a villain. But because I'm so hot right now, people tend to forget that when I'm in the ring with a guy like Rush. He's awesome, and then you got other guys. Volador Jr. might be one of the best, and I feel like that network TV deal might be hurting, you know, a bit, and maybe that's what you need. But what about a guy like Volador Jr.? You you appreciate, you know, a guy like him who has so much talent, and, you know, with all the charisma in the world. Uh, I'm I'm indifferent on Volador Jr. just because uh, I don't see him as the money maker as a lot of people do. Uh, I, I'm a firm believer that moves never sold tickets. You know, the boys sell the tickets, the wrestlers mm-hmm. sell the tickets. And you can be the best flyer in the world and you can have charisma, but unless you have that character, you have that edge, uh, you know, it, it doesn't count to me. That's why you can get a guy like Atlantis who's 65 or 63 or something, you know, an, an older gentleman, but he can still pack the houses and, and, you know, have the people losing their mind, whereas Volador can go out there and do a couple cool flips and, and people are going to leave talking about Atlantis. What do you think about those crowds down there in Mexico? Because they're notoriously a little bit crazy, which is great. But what has your kind of been your interaction with them? Are you really, you know, does that give you like that extra edge when you're out there? 2,000 people in Arena Mexico is louder than Chicago for a WWE pay-per-view. And I will write that on any paper, on any piece of paper with a notary you can imagine. I will stand by that. Our crowd is the loudest crowd. Imagine the energy that everybody talks about with ECW and those crazy, rabid fans. We have the same energy, only it's you know less, less presumptuous, less, uh, less arrogant. The people are happy to be a part of the show. They want to play along. They want to cheer the good guys, boo the bad guys, but they're just as crazy as ECW fans. So, uh, I mean... Uh, it, it, I remember, I think it was probably about a month and a half ago now, we did we did 15,000 on a uh, Friday night, just randomly because the kids were off school. And, I mean, the energy you can't explain. It's 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 a WrestleMania-type vibe, vibe just on a regular night. So it's, it's pretty incredible. And one guy down at CMLL that a lot of people – will be very familiar with because of uh, because of his time in WCW. But what about a guy like Marco Corleone who who has done the same thing, learned Spanish, been on some mainstream TV down there. I believe he married a model, a Mexican model. So what are your thoughts on Marco Corleone, a.k.a. Mark Jindrak? I have tons of respect for Mark, and he's actually become a really good friend of mine because there's only so many of our uh, – so many English speakers right now. Um, he actually just won the CMLL heavyweight title, which he's the first uh, American to do so since Val Venus in 98, which is, you know, definitely an honor. It's pretty cool. I'm happy for him. But uh, right now we, we tend to fight a lot all over the country because he seems to be the the Mexican sympathizer. Uh, you know, two, two gringos fighting in Mexico City tends to sell some tickets, one of whom hates Mexico and, you know, wants to build a wall. The other one who, you know, says shut up, I live here, I love it, and, you know, we've been able to draw some money, and it's been pretty cool. Yeah, he's awesome. What a great athlete, uh, great competitor for sure. Now, with Mexico, it's one thing to get used to, especially even as a fan, I feel like I have to get used to it. I wonder what it is like a wrestler. The two out of three fall matches, a lot of six-man tag, did that take you some time to get used to, like, that that kind of style? 
Um, you don't really ever get used to it because Mexican wrestling makes no sense at all. It's just chaos and just you know, confusion. Um, I, I was watching one of my matches at my brother's house the other day, and he just said, you know, I, I love you to death, Sam. I'm happy to support you, but I hate watching Lucha because, you know, any rhyme, rules, or reasons of professional wrestling are just gone. So um, you don't really get used to it. I've adapted a lot to the style, you know, and, and it's nice because it helps me you know, I just want to be the best I can be. And now, you know, if you can learn to wrestle in Mexico with the Mexicans, you can wrestle with anybody anywhere. So it's helped me. But at the same time, uh, it, you never really, I, I haven't really got that uh, confidence or control. Um, when, when I'm outside of Mexico, I have a bit of a reputation for being kind of a young veteran. You know, I can control the matches and kind of be in a good position uh, because my experience speaks for itself. However, there, you know, uh, I really can't dictate a match. I kind of just follow the, the follow the other guys in the match and kind of, you know, I'm lucky to have the three versus three format because I do. I, I need to kind of learn from that. So it's it's chaos. It's crazy, but it's fun. Speaking of your brother, obviously uh, he is the WWE's Corey Graves, or as I may know him, Sterling James Keenan. Uh, from his old, you know, independent days and time on, on the indie scene. But it's funny because a lot of people, I don't think, realize that that's your brother. And is that by design? So you never really wanted to use your brother's name? Is that kind of, you know, kind of by design? Uh, yes, that's definitely by design. It's it's a bit of respect for him because, you know, he's put in his work. He's done what he's needed to do. So I don't want to, you know, discredit it by doing it my way. And at the same time, it's a bit of, you know, it, it's a bit of confidence on my end as well. I, I want to be able to say I never needed to, to, you know, use his name to get what I've got. Uh, I feel like I could probably be a bit further along as far as a, an independent name in the United States if I were to use his name. However, you know, I can honestly say as far as my, my exploits in Mexico, he had nothing to do with anything. So if I were to get back to the WWE one day and, and you know, have a, a, bitter, a bigger run for myself, there's not one person that can say, oh, he's only done it because of his brother. You know, straight up, anybody that thinks that is just, you know, misinformed. So it's definitely by design, and uh, I think it's worked out for the both of us. And let's hope, you know, when you get back there, they change your name and it's not Buddy Stretcher anymore. Let's just hope that's the case. <laughs> I don't know. I'm to the point now where I kind of want that name back just to prove to them that I can make it work. <laughs> Crazy name. But it is kind of cool. Like, I would imagine, you know, 90% of the fans didn't know Corey Graves had a, you know, had a younger brother. So, like, that's kind of cool. But you ever just look at him and, and are really proud of his success because, you know, he, he got injured, obviously. He, he became an announcer and kind of you know, you didn't know where his career was going to go, and now he's a part of Raw, and now he's a part of this major storyline with Kurt Angle, and now a lot of people are saying, you know, he's kind of like the modern-day uh, Jesse Ventura, the way he's, you know, commentating matches, the way he's being different. I absolutely love it. I'm so proud of it. I, I'm, I couldn't be happier for him. Uh, the only thing I would do is I'd be a little bit more colorful, just like Jesse Ventura, with some more leather studs and some ridiculous clothes, but... I think he's good. He doesn't need fashion tips from me. Uh, the only thing I would do different there, the only thing I don't like is, and from a selfish standpoint, you know, he's my brother. I love him to death. He's taught me everything. 
you know, I always imagined that the final chapter of the book is, you know, me and my brother tearing it up at WrestleMania or something, you know, having him in the ring on a grand stage is something we both wanted for so many years. You know, that kind of breaks my heart. I really would have liked to be able to do something like that with him. Um, however, you know, you never know what happens. WWE is constantly changing, growing, and evolving. Uh, this past weekend in Pomona, New York, I wrestled Jerry the King Lawler, and my brother was my manager. And uh, what we did, just, you know, the chemistry we had was so natural. The people were eating it up. Uh, you know, the, the the show itself was fantastic for Northeast Wrestling. Um, who knows? I, I, I have no idea what the future holds. Uh, I just know I would love any opportunity I can to work with him. And uh, I don't know. Pretty cool for the fact that, you know, he trained you and then he kind of moved on to WWE and did some cool things. But what do you think is kind of the, the biggest lesson, obviously, besides the actual physical part of training, what do you think is the biggest lesson he's given you as far as, you know, trying to advance your career? Um, there's just been so many. He's He's been the one that anytime I need more or less um, – mental decisions, anything is behavioral or, or, you know, monetarial, anything that I need to know, uh, whether I'm in a contract dispute or I need to cancel a booking, he's been such a, you know, because any, any situation I've had as far as that, he's dealt with first. So he's really been there for all of that stuff for me. That's kind of, you know, what I've, I've learned from him. Um, and, you know, a lot of the things we do, he, he was really able to kind of keep his, his character throughout his wrestling. You know, a lot of guys, a lot of guys get so caught up in their wrestling that they kind of, you know, lose who they are. You know, they're kind of boring. If you ask me, he's always been able to be very entertaining as a good wrestler. So uh, I think that's probably something I learned through from him a lot was to really, you know, capture the audience with the character you're portraying. And, uh, you know, that's, that's something we've both been really good at. Oh, and uh, you're, you know, hitting out of the park doing that now, obviously, in CMLL. But your dad was also a big promoter in the Pittsburgh area, and your dad it was somebody, you know, in the wrestling business. Is there a lot of takeaways from him as well? Did you learn a lot of stuff from kind of, you know, you know, being under the, the guise or under the learning tree of a promoter? I probably learned more from my dad than I did my brother. And, uh, and it's not from his experience. It's just, you know, I think experience as a dad. Um, There'd be so many times I was I was so caught up as a as a fan, you know, when I was 11, 12 years old, that I didn't really see the forest through the trees. I used to worry so much about, oh, this guy's cool on the indies. Let's bring in this guy. He's he's in Ring of Honor. You know, I was so caught up with all the wrong aspects of wrestling that you know I missed what he used to talk about being good. My dad would say, you know what, you should you should do this. I remember Johnny Valentine doing this. And to me, as a kid, I'd say, yeah, Dad, whatever. You don't know what you're talking about. You know, but here, 10 years later, my dad's been right all along. You know, the guys the guys that uh, he's been talking about and been putting over since I was 10 years old are the guys that I emulate this day, you know, and the guys that I try to, you know, put in that stew, I was saying. You know, th- these are the reasons why now I have my success. So, in a sense, he's been correct this entire time. Uh, it's just taken a while for me to realize it. That is great. And it always seems like that's what happens with, you know, fathers and sons. Like, 
we had Cody Rhodes on, and he was saying he never listened to his dad until after his dad passed, and then he realized what great advice it had. And that's usually the way it goes. It's almost like uh, a light switch goes off in your head, and you all, all of a sudden one day become mature enough to realize, you know, that, hey, he's giving me great advice, right? Exactly. And and it's one of these things, like, especially uh, – I'm, I'm kind of a rare breed because not too many kids born in 1989 – had the privilege and, and the, the ability to study 80s wrestling like I have. You know, we've had such a collection of videos, and I've been able to, you know, watch and learn from the best to the point where uh, I've been able to study and, and become something that most kids my age don't do. And now it's even better because what's old is new again. It's been so long since people have seen these things that now – it's it's basically, you know, it's new. People say, wow, I like Sam Adonis' style. I've never seen anyone like that before. You know, meanwhile, everything I do could have been seen in, you know, the Mid-South Coliseum in 1983. Right. That's true. What's old is uh, new again, and obviously awesome heel work. I love old school. I mean, I, I'm, I'm a big 80s fan, too, obviously born in the early 80s, but a huge 80s fan. I love that style. I love that time period of wrestling. I love that you're kind of a, you know, quote-unquote throwback. But I just wanted to mention this one thing because before I kind of forget to mention it, I just thought it was hilarious. Brian Cage all of a sudden at one point says to you, um, oh, you, you stole my uh, pro-Trump gimmick. And you come back, and you're like, no, I didn't steal it. But if you want, why don't we have a match and let's make some money out of it? That is just great psychology, and you kind of shot him down a bit too. Is that something you had to like, you know, refrain from saying anything, or was that something you were just like, "Hey, man, why don't we just make money?" Well, it was just, in, in my opinion, it was a bit silly overall because, you know, again, if he wants to say I stole that, I could say, "Well, you stole Road Warrior Hawks gimmick because you have muscles." You know, nothing in wrestling is sacred. <laughs> Everything's been done by everybody. You know, and coincidentally, we both had a good idea at the good time. You know, so, so um, you know, we've it's it's nothing I really, you know, work myself up over. It's something that you know it's kind of passed by now. Um, again, this is something I you know I learned from my brother. I says, "What do I do?" You know, this is kind of you know a negative attention when I'm getting all this positive attention, and he said, "Just ignore it; it'll go away." And in turn, and then up pissing him off even more. So. I don't know. I don't know if he's angry or not, but I mean, like I said, if if there was an opportunity to it and if people want to see it, I am 100% down. Uh, I'm not worried about it. I'm not scared. I, I'll be wherever they need. So, like I said, I, I'm happy to make it a match, make money out of it, but I don't know how angry or wound up he still is. Great point and great advice uh, from your brother there, true. But it is funny, like like some fans were getting on him because now he does the Steiner screwdriver. So now fans are like, oh, I guess Scott Steiner should come find you and, and uh, yell at you for stealing his move. <laughs> well, there you go. Poetic justice, if you will, right? Yeah, yeah. So it, I just thought it was funny because, you know, on Twitter you're going to get some negative and then you're going to get some positive. So then you, you see, you know, what are the people writing to him? And they're like, oh, stop stealing Steiner's move. So that's funny. Exactly. But, you know, just – that's the way it you goes. Have, yeah. Now, you did have some time in, in WWE, obviously, in FCW. You're signed to developmental. How'd you get in, and what was the outcome of, of the WWE release? Because you were there. You kind of came and gone real fast. Um, I was invited. Uh, I was. They just took a chance on me. 
Johnny Ace was my main guy to kind of help facilitate the entire thing. Uh, I think he just liked me the way I was with him. And, you know, he just took a shot on a 20-year-old kid. I think you could probably tell I had a bit of passion and was, you know, hoping it would work out. Um, so I got there, and I really – I only had 11 months total there, and that includes the three months I had with the knee surgery that I had. And, you know, the biggest thing I took away from it is I was not ready to be there. Um, I'm sure you've heard enough about what the system is and how, you know, stressful. And, and you really need to be a sharp knife to succeed in WWE, not only as a performer, but, you know, through the decisions you make while you're, you know, while you're there. Uh, I was a young kid, never lived on my own before. Uh, coming to Florida, my first contract, I, you know, a big-time WWE wrestler, you know, I just, it was a bit too much for me to take in all at once. And then I got injured and, and uh, I think everybody there kind of realized, you know what, maybe we should let this guy go find himself and see what can become, you know, before we try to do anything else with him. Um, Johnny Ace's last words to me were, you know, you're a good kid. Uh, you seem to want this really bad, but you're real young. Uh, if it's meant to be, it's meant to be and you'll be back. Just keep doing your thing. Um, and, I think I'm on the right track to to kind of head back there and hopefully be in a really you know polar opposite spot than I was when I was there before. Now it could be just me, and maybe I'm wrong on this, but it seems like to me guys that are in SCW or in NXT that were not world traveled. Let's just say they just were plucked and they were signed like you, like at a young age. I feel like they never quite pan out if they stay in the system, it always works out better. If the guy is kind of a world traveler, like you, you go to Mexico or you go to England for a while, or you, know, you spend some time in Europe. I always feel like the world traveler route makes you a better worker or, or even a better, you know, overall wrestler slash sports entertainer. Are you kind of in agreement with that? 100%. I agree with that. But however, when I was in FCW, that still wasn't the norm either. Uh, I was there about two years before NXT began. They were still doing NXT, the, the reality show, or the competition part. Um, this was, they still wanted more of the football players and the, the athletes that had experience outside of wrestling. So, you know, I could have been experienced at that point. I still think I might have had the same outcome. But now, luckily, the right people are making the right decisions, and the world-experienced guys are, are, you know, getting the opportunity. Um, it's, it's really helping my cause. And, you know, like I said, I, I, I don't really want to come off too egotistical here, but my bread and butter has never been, you know, being the flavor of the week indie. I've never traveled the world to go have the best matches and, and, and be, you know, super indie wrestling champion. My job has always been to sell tickets and be, you know, main event, big time wrestling. And that's almost something that most of those guys never had the experience with, you know, not to take anything away from them, but, you know, certain the Dean Ambrose's, the Seth Rollins, they, they were on an independent level before they got to WWE, which is, you know, why I'm a bit more confident that if I do have another opportunity, you know, I think the sky could be the limit because it's, it's something that uh, what I have grown to learn and what I've become good at is, you know, basically being a, a main event, TV wrestler. And that's, you know, that's kind of what it's all about. I mean, you want to be that main guy. You want to be the one that sells the tickets. You want to be that person that people, you know, pay their hard-earned money to come see you in, in that arena. And I feel like when you do 
you know, this kind of world traveling thing and, and you kind of become a main eventer somewhere else, I feel like then you can become a main eventer here. It's almost like I got over here, I got over here, I can definitely get over in WWE. Exactly. And it's just like any any uh, any walk of life. You know, if you sell cars for Ford and, and you know, Chevy and Toyota and, and Hyundai, and you have great sales numbers for your whole career, your Rolls Royce wants to hire you because you're the best, you know, and that's what I'm looking at. Yeah, there's a no doubt about that. And I just want to quickly just wanted to mention that, you know, you had some time over there in England and obviously England now is becoming a hotbed for pro wrestling, but your time over there with, you know, WAW, obviously the world champion, ASW, you're the British heavyweight champion, but did you enjoy your time over there in England with those crazy crowds? I loved it in England. Um, I worked for All-Star Wrestling is, to me, the best-kept secret in the history of wrestling because Brian Dixon has been running wrestling events for 45 years. This is the promoter that, you know, Fit Finley and Regal and Brookside and everybody you can name came from this company. Um, He's been doing it the same way for 45 years, so he's never necessarily cared about, you know, Facebook or Twitter or TV. So... Our show, it was basically just a year-long house show loop with about 150 shows a year. But we have some of the best wrestlers you can imagine. And, you know, a lot of the guys that we, that we, that I was able to work with were the guys that, you know, taught the Zack Sabres and the Marty Skrulls. And, you know, these guys that are, that are considered the best in the world today, they learned from the guys I was wrestling with every day. So, you know, I, I'm really blessed to, to have the experience I have um, you know, Robbie Brookside, the coach at NXT, I wrestled with him his final tour with All-Star. You know, we wrestled pretty much every day together. He got me into Germany. Uh, I wrestled with Danny Collins. I wrestled with so many of these legends over there that, uh, to me, it's, I don't know, I think I'm weird about it. It's a little bit better than having him as a mentor, as a coach. You know, when you really you get to lace up the boots and, and have them one-on-one, you know, to me, that means a little bit more. And a guy like Doug Williams, who kind of maybe in TNA people have heard of him, but or ROH too, but he kind of goes under the radar. He's an awesome worker that you probably got a chance to learn a lot of things from as well. Well, a guy like Doug, you know, to me, I've wrestled Doug Williams so many times, it's not even a big deal. You know, guys would you get independent guys that would you know sell their left leg to to have a one on one with Doug Williams. To me, you know, I've wrestled Doug in front of. A hundred people, I've wrestled Doug in front of 3,000 people. To me, it's just Doug, you know, and that's the attitude we had uh, in All-Star. This weekend, Chikara in in Philadelphia is actually bringing in a guy named James Mason, who, in my opinion, is the most underrated wrestler on the planet. Uh, He's a British-style wrestler. He's he's every bit of the Zack Sabre. It's not better. Uh, He's a 35-year-old man, but he can go like he's 18. Uh, You know, if I can recommend anybody that's listening to this to give him a look at He's as good as they get, and he's worked harder than anyone. He deserves everything he has right now, and hopefully he can keep coming back to the United States and make more of a name for himself. And some other kind of underrated guys, obviously besides yourself, that came at ASW, think of guys like David Finley, the junior, um, Jay White, who's uh, awesome, and uh, Marty Skrull, like you mentioned, too. So there's a lot of talent that kind of comes and goes, like you said, through ASW. These are the guys I wrestled with all the time. You know, I've had so many good matches with all those guys and, and just shared the road with them and had some fun. 
But, you know, that's that's how All-Star was. Because it wasn't really a, an internet wrestling company, you know, it was really just for experience. And guys would come and go like you wouldn't believe. Um, you know, we've had uh, Kamatachi from New Japan was there, uh, Supernova from Lucha, uh, from AAA, Angelico was there. Uh, I mean, Sammy Callahan, you name it, they've worked for All-Star. Kevin Steen, American Dragon, these guys basically got their, you know, biggest levels of experience from All-Star. So, uh, you know, I, I was super proud to be there. And I was the first uh, first ever heavyweight wrestling champion that was American. You know, and that's the same belt that Dave Taylor and Fit Finley had. And, you know, uh, I've never been the kind of guy to, you know, be every independence champion. But I'm lucky to say, you know, the one major one that I've had actually meant something. Absolutely. And as I start to wind it down a bit here, kind of ask this, because there's so many guys out there that you mentioned that you either had good matches with or even some great names. Is there a dream match out there of a guy that, you know, is active wrestler, but you haven't had the chance to wrestle him yet? Is there a guy out there you think of as a dream match? I would like to wrestle Shinsuke Nakamura. Uh, I had a match booked against him in England a few years ago that ended up getting canceled. Uh, that would be pretty cool for me. Um, and I would probably say John Cena. Just because he's, you know, the last one that, that I think can really still carry the load that he needs to, you know, and I feel like I'm tailor-made to be the heel that can make that, you know, something special. Uh, I would just be, I think now I'm to the level that I'm so confident in my skills, I, I want to put my name in there with some of the big dogs just to see what would happen. Uh, I, I don't feel like, you know, I would need to... to be spoon fed now. I feel like I've been able to be there and, and I would feel, you know, yeah, I would feel confident being in those positions, I should say. Now, have you had, you know, in your career, obviously, I mean, we mentioned so many guys. We mentioned uh, Jay White and Doug Williams and Marty Scurll and, and all these other guys. Um, even we mentioned Jinder Mahal before, but have you had a favorite match or one that really sticks out or maybe even a couple favorite matches that you've had so far in your career? Um, there's one on YouTube, again, like I said, against James Mason. Uh, it was his 25th anniversary as a wrestler, and Johnny Saint actually came into the ring afterwards and congratulated him. That's one of my favorites that will stand out because, it, you know, I was really in a good spot. He's just one of the best on earth. Um, I wrestled Carlito in Italy in front of 3,000 people at a real nice arena, uh, sold out. And I was 22, I think, at the time, so that was kind of special just because it was my first real big event. Um, let me think. And I just, I mean, Mexico's, I can't, some of these matches, I wouldn't really call the, my best matches, but, you know, being in that environment, you know, as a star in front of that many people, uh, you know, living a, a complete different life. I've had some of the best, ma best nights of my life, you know, living down there. So there's some memorable ones, but, uh, I think the more, the more you do it, the better you get the less they stick out, you know, it, it, to me, it's just another day at work. You know, I don't really get too excited over a match. I have the ones I like, but you know, I'm always constantly thinking about tomorrow. Now, obviously, you know, you've had so many great opponents and, you know, we mentioned James Mason and a couple guys that kind of go under the radar. As far as opponents go, who, who would you say you have like the best chemistry with? I would say James Mason would definitely be number one. Um, I would say, uh, I've had a lot of good matches with Oliver Gray from the NXT. 
We wrestled. Oh, yeah. I probably wrestled him in 60 ladder matches in the United Kingdom. Um, it was just, just real good chemistry. There's a wrestler in Mexico called Ray Cometa I have good chemistry with. Uh, and I love wrestling a guy from Mexico named Blue Panther. Uh, I would call oh, yeah. him the best wrestler I've ever been in the ring with. Well, high praise. You've been in there with some pretty damn good guys. It's pretty high praise. He he's just he's he's got it's incredible. Uh, I just uh, I anyone I know that's been in there with him will tell you the exact same thing. The man is just you know incredible, and I've wrestled a lot of great talents. And like I said, I mean he's just got something special about him. Now TNA, you made a kind of a brief a brief appearance not that long ago. Uh, you fought Braxton Sutter. You had a weird name, Bill Callis. I have no idea, you know, the the meaning of that name or why they picked it. But what did you think about TNA, and was that something that you were hoping to get signed, or was that one of those things where you're just kind of working it, gonna do the you know do your job and then get out of there? I was leaving for Mexico on the following Monday. Uh, Zima Ion actually gave me a call and said they were short a guy. Uh, and he knew I was only about an hour away where my family lives in uh, Sarasota. So I said, yeah, man, I'll be there. And I drove to Orlando. I wrestled, and that was the end of it. Never thought more of it. Never reached out to them again. Uh, I had a great time. They took care of me. Everybody was friendly. But it was just, you know, just another another shot on the on the calendar for me. Any interest in kind of going back, or is this more let's stick with All Japan, let's stick with CMLL, and let's see what happens from there? Um, if, if anyone were to contact me, I'd be, I'd be up for anything. Uh, again, I'm to the point now in my life, I'm 27. I, I kind of have to start, you know, thinking more of the future and, and see what's going to happen. So, uh, if anybody were interested, I'd, I'd be more than happy to, you know, entertain the idea. Uh, however, I think at this point, my long-term goal would be to return to WWE. Uh, I think I, I really left some unfinished business there. Uh, it appears to me now that with my brother, you know, in the position he's in, I feel like I, I would probably, you know, really be able to enjoy the system and learn the right way. And uh, my brother's been my biggest critic my entire life. I'd much rather, uh, I'd much rather entertain him or make him happy than I would, you know, any wrestling promoter on earth. So I feel like under his guidance and him kind of leading me in the right direction, I think I could have a pretty bright future back with WWE. Well, that's great to say, and you know, it's it's something we ask. It's almost like the the five year plan, or the you know the crystal ball, or 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 the the DDP as as he referred to it to us. The DDP five years from that question. So five years down the road, you would definitely see yourself or want to see yourself kind of in a WWE ring again. I don't know if it's five years, seven years, or ten years, but uh, my major concern right now would be Japan because I've waited so long for it. And I don't want to just go rush it and say I did it and get out. I'd really like to make a mark there. I'd really like to, you know, do something big, special. If I had it my way, I'd be the next Bob Sapp, you know, and take over pop culture there as well. But, you know, we're not – I don't think that'll happen again. You know, I got lucky with it in Mexico. But, uh, yeah, Japan's my major priority now. And if that goes well, you know, hopefully that just continues to open doors all over the world. And, uh yeah, like I said, whether it's three, five, seven, I don't know when, where, or how, but hopefully, you know, WWE is part of the future. Now, you you kept mentioning the stew, kind of like the beef stew. You did this and that and putting the different things together. I think that's great, and it shows, you know, a, a lot of, you know, maturity and, and psychology and kind of being that old school heel. 
Now, you know, kind of at the end of the day, when when you're looking at Sam Adonis, the name, the character, like what what do you want the fans to think of when they think of your name? Um, I would want to help make wrestling. I, I want the wrestling fans, not not only wrestling fans, I want the American public to love wrestling the way I love wrestling. Uh, to me, it's a real shame that we're not regarded in a higher light because people still see wrestling, you know, oh, that's that phony crap, that's that steroids and sex crap. That's what wrestling is to a lot of the people. Uh, and it's hard because most of the people in the wrestling business live in a wrestling bubble, and they don't realize what the outside public thinks of wrestling. And generally, it's pretty negative. I would love to somehow, you know, be a part of the system to help it become cool again. You know, whether it's amongst kids, teens, or adults, I would love to do whatever I could to, to, to really, you know, help wrestling as much as it's helped me. I want to give back to pro wrestling. That is awesome, and I, and I love that sell tickets create chaos. I love that. That's almost like a T-shirt or a catchphrase for you. I, that's, that's awesome. You that totally. makes sense. That's awesome. I never thought of it. It just rolled <laughs> off the tongue, but it makes sense. I like it. Maybe I'll do it. <laughs> it it's awesome. Now, one final thing. Is there, you know, somewhere like as far as plugs or whatever, where can the fans reach Sam Adonis, whether it be Facebook, Twitter, or, or any other social media that you might have? Uh, my Twitter and Instagram are uh, at SamElias89. Uh, th- those would be the two, you know, best way to see me. Or my fan page is just Sam Adonis on Facebook. Um, a lot of matches and my upcoming matches, uh, there's all kinds of videos. You can just search Sam Adonis on YouTube. It stays pretty relevant. Um, yeah, just whatever you can do, please support, please see it. Uh, it's been pretty cool now because, you know, the, the more attention I get, the more people are starting to flock my way. So look out for August, uh, August 19th, Cork and Hall. August 20th is Ozaki. And August the 27th will be the Tokyo Sumo Palace for All Japan Pro Wrestling. So a lot of people are into that. Hopefully people will see those videos. And, uh, you know, I'm just doing the thing, and hopefully people want a piece. Awesome. Well, good luck in all Japan for all Japan for wrestling, and good luck taking over the world and, of course, taking over CMLL down there in Mexico. Sam, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Thanks a lot. I'll see you again. Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling, What the World is Downloading.